Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. continually the, the sewer line of, of hell flow into your house. No wonder your house, no wonder it's not a sanctuary for your family and your, and, and your good thoughts. And, and yes, did you get it? Go, did you? Yes, give this man a hand. If you, yes, give Stephen a hand. He's a godsend. Yes, I was going to have to do a miracle. These computers are great when they're happening. And they're not. It's not a great day. But Father God, we thank you, God, that Lord, I just feel him right now. I just want you to continue to press in. I don't want you to hear to just be bedazzled by the modern church. We're not here to be bedazzled by the modern church. We're here to be bedazzled by God. We want to be, we want to be bedazzled by God. Are you like me? Is that what you come for? Yeah. Amen. Have you come to meet with God? I'm just asking you, have you come to meet with God? Or, or do you want to see the bedazzlement of the lights? Oh, and the, oh, the 3,000 lumen projector. I've never seen a projector. Oh, my God, we worship. No. Come on, guys. Got to get our spiritual eyes open. We got to flick the switch on our faith. Get our spirit man to engage. The Bible says that you were spirit when you got saved. And if you're not saved, there's going to be a prayer at the end of this service for you, for your spirit to be logged on, internet terms, with God. And I'm not talking about just dial-up. I'm talking about constant broadband, constant downloading from heaven. What God is saying about you, your children, your family, about your workplace, about your business endeavors. That's all right. We, can, we love noise. We love noise. We love the sound of children in the house of God. And Lord God, I just pray, God, right now that if you're suffering, if you're suffering a weak, serve, a, a weak connection, if you've been doing dial-up all, all week and you and you, you, you used to be on broadband, you used to have that, right now I just pray the power of God's Spirit to connect you right now. God's Spirit to connect you, connect you to heaven, connect you to the mind of Christ, connect you to the revelation that God has for you in your life and family. Holy Spirit, we need to hear from you like never before. We can't play church. We can't just do, go through the motions of coming to church. We need to connect with you, God, for the sake of the next generation. Joshua, he was on fire for God. And then the next generation, they started to slip. And by the next generation, they knew not God. I don't want that for this church. I want your children to know God, be rocking for God, on fire for God. And I want their children to be rocking and on fire for God and living for God. Amen? Because if we don't draw a line in the sand, parents, guess what? It's all going south. 
We're going down to Mexico. Trump's building a wall and there's no way through it. It's not going to be a good day. So Father, right now, I pray, God, men in particular, so busy, so busy fixing stuff. They love to fix. They love their tools. Just put your tools down. Tools down. Women are always nurturing and they're always thinking and thinking about their kids, their grandkids, and thinking about the person around them, beside them, and thinking about their workmates. And Stop. Come unto me who are weary and waylaid, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. Learn from me. Would you listen then? I know you didn't listen to your school teachers, but would you listen if Jesus said to you personally, looked into the, into, into the soul, looked into yourself and said, learn from me. Would you, would you try and listen at least? Of course you would. So Lord, we learn from you just about, oh, you turned the whole world upside down and you didn't fret, you didn't get anxious, you didn't react, you responded and you walked in the rhythm of grace. Oh, I love this man, Jesus. I love, the, I love our Lord. He's just such a perfect example of to live life on planet Earth. Whew, I'm, just, I'm, just do, I'm, I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit to take effect. He's around you now. He, the Bible says God never leaves you or forsakes you. And we know God is in heaven and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But guess who's on the planet? Guess who's on the planet representing God? The Holy Spirit, guys. You're in a Spirit-filled church. Greek Orthodox, one Catholic church, evangelical church. We love all these churches, by the way. Evangelical, Billy Graham and the Baptists, and we love them all. Then who's these other crazy guys? The fourth is the Pentecostal church. The Spirit-filled church, guys. That's who we are. And you don't go to a Spirit-filled Pentecostal church to do a jig or, or, or just feel like you're excited for God. You go to a church like that to be excited by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, and when you do get moved, it's real. It may look a bit flaky. It may, may look a bit weird. But can I tell you, it's real. If someone rolls around on the floor and shakes and falls down, it's real. So Father, we are not ashamed of your name. It is the power of salvation. We're not ashamed of the gospel, of his name. It is the power, say power, unto salvation. Amen. So I, I reckon that was someone, someone finally crossed the great divide and came into Graceland, came into that place of resting in God, learning from God. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Oh, we love you, God. Oh, just, just, just stay there, right there. Just love this stuff. Love. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You can take a seat. Ah. Talking about transformation, give it up for the worship team. And uh, they've done so well. And uh, we got some people away. And, and uh, we have musicians that need to change up. Andrew Flaxman on bass. Uh, he's usually on clarinet, and um, 
Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> no, he's on bass. He'd rather me say, and he's, he's usually on, no, lead guitar, lead guitar. Now, Andrew's usually on clarinet. Uh, Tom is usually on flute, and uh, we got him on drums this morning. And uh, Chrissy is usually our multimedia professional. Transform. So if you gaze over here, experience is our motto. We want you to come and experience God. That's why I pulled up there. I don't want you to just go through the motions of coming to church and, and being here. We want you to go away with an experience. Amen. It's experiential faith. That's what the Spirit's Pentecostal Church believes in. Um, the Apostle Paul, lots of uh, good doctrine there about experiencing God. Praise God. And, uh, and the transform is a, one of the key issues of Christianity. God doesn't want you to just conform, but he wants you to be transformed. Amen? He doesn't want you to conform into a box. And, and especially young people, they get nervous about churches uh, and everyone about being put into... No, we're not trying to... We're, we're trying to get you out of the box of social conditioning, of what your TV set, of, of what your Who magazine says you are, and all the social conditioning that you allow for yourself... We're trying to get you out of that into who you truly are. Yeah, it's, this was good last week, so pray for the mic piece. Uh, we want you to be transformed. I believe I'm, I'm changing, uh, and I want you to change. And, and so we're talking about, okay, cut to the chase, Pastor Phil. Uh, last week, you need to listen to the podcast. I haven't got time to even paraphrase what I said last week. But last week was amazing. And by faith, it was all said and done. And people loved it. And it's on our podcast. Go to our website or the Facebook page. Transform is a very key issue for the body of Christ. If we're not transforming, and I've been going to church, church since 85, and I found that people... I do get disenchanted with the church, disgruntled, disappointment. Our point, disappoint. You go for a job interview, you turn up, but it didn't work. You got disappointed. Our point is when you turn up and you got the job. Amen. Whoever got a job in the last couple of weeks, give them a hand right now. So that transformation thing for me is very important. Uh, the belonging is, a, man, it's a minefield to belong, to do the body of Christ, as Apostle Paul mentions, especially in the epistles, in the book of Ephesians, where we're actually the body. Get used to it. When you got saved, we should have told you that you became a part of the body of Christ. You're not an individual solo act with a philosophy of Christianity. You are actually a part of the body of Christ. He is the head. The book of Ephesians says, he is the head, we are the body, and we are together walking out. We might look like Frankenstein, but still, we are walking out God's purposes and plans across the earth, including Nairobi, uh, east, uh, east coast of Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, Africa, where our son-in-law, Garth Ball, is, and my daughter uh, are doing a tremendous job uh, with, with probably more attendance than even what we got now. So it's a good day that C3 Tugra, Andrew, are a body. And we walk together and we demonstrate together to our society that community works. Imagine that. 
I, when I went back to adult learning back in the early 90s and listened to the top sociologist in Australia, she says, she says in her academic way, she says, we are very worried of the breakdown of community in modern society. No longer do we say hi to our neighbors, cup of sugar, please. Uh, it's love thy neighbor, but pe- uh, keep the hedge up. And um, meaning just give them a courtesy glance and uh, if, they're, if they're lucky. And uh, so community in the church, people struggle with it. It's a cultural gap. We call it uh, a cultural gap because you're used to living like that. You don't say hi to your neighbors anymore. You drive straight down the street. You don't say boo to anyone, not like we used to do in the 60s and the 70s. And, 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 and now you drive through life and walk through life. And it's like we used to make fun of the New York people, didn't we? That they don't, you know, if someone was to be mugged, you just walk straight by. But it's actually happening in Australia, amen? It's ha- happening at Terrigal and the entrance. People are being mugged and people are just turning a blind eye. So there's a breakdown of community. And it's, it's in the church, I have to be honest. It's even in the church. And some people have got very good reason to feel like they cannot as- migrate into the land of community. And we understand that. Where We're just saying it's the truth that you're supposed to be a family. You're supposed to be a community uh, representing the body of Christ. We understand there's phobias, anxieties. People have been traumatized. We understand that, and we are absolutely considerate of that. And uh, who, who can give the Lord a hand right now? I'm talking about transformation, and you can be transformed by the presence of God. Amen? I need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with God. Who wants an encounter with God? Amen? We need a regular encounter with God because, I'll show you why. Uh, Let me get into the scripture then. Here it is. In, um, I'm going to move along now, since I took some time off my sermon. John 14, 21, the Bible actually promises it, and it says, and it says this, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Now, here it is. Here's the kicker. And I will love him and manifest, say manifest, myself to him, to you. I will, if you follow, if you walk righteously, if you walk the narrow way, the skinny way, as as you diet people say, the skinny way or or the narrow way, you will be loved by God. That's the promise. Can you see that right there? It's, an, it's a promise to encounter God and, and be transformed. What does manifest mean? Manifest means this, a visible demonstration of God's presence. To be honest, I felt we had an encounter with God in that little interlude before I started preaching. Did you feel that? Where I, I declared and decreed and I spoke proclamation that God was here, and that broke the atmosphere open, and already was broken through by the worship team. But, you know, the man of God got up, and he said, I feel God, and whether you believe it or not, God acts upon his word. Faith, you know, the Christian life is about, um, it's, 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 
it's activated by your verbal declaration. My dash in my car is very clever. Its, it's commands are activated by my verbal speaking word. Amen? Who's got a dash like that in their car? I can actually say to my car, I am hungry. Here are six places where you can eat in the radius, the, the, the 3K radius. And it will give it to me on my, on my screen. But I had to say something. Otherwise, I would have to pull the car over, go to my phone, Google it. No, I just had to say. I can change the air conditioning in my car. I, I, can, I can find out where to go by, by speaking the address. So the Christian life is, is very much about what you declare, what you say. There's power in your words. Amen? Amen? Okay, what's the purpose? Why do we need a supernatural counter with God? Amen? What provokes change? And I'm talking about change. Why do we need change? If you stop changing, being transformed that is, you will go backwards. I believe this to be true. You'll start regressing. You'll start going downstream if you stop changing. Now listen to me. If you're not on a journey of morphing like a caterpillar into a, a butterfly, if you're not changing, you will go, you, you will backslide. You'll go back to your old life. You'll end up in the world. There, there, it's clear as that. That's the reason we need to change. Is transformation one-off event or continual events? You can answer this if you want. Is, tran is transformation natural or supernatural? Supernatural. Is it your total life, your body, soul, and spirit? It is. It's your whole life. You can be transformed. Transformation means transition. It means changing. And we need to change. God wants you to change. Every day is an opportunity to change. You know the parable of the wineskin. Amen. Uh, Matthew 9, 14. Some people, this is the wineskin. The wine was kept in that wineskin. And if the, the skin got stiff like leather does sometimes, um, when you pour the new wine in, they tell me, the wineskin will crack and let out that new wine. In the church, we have new, we call it new wine revelation. Or you have an encounter with God. You just had one. You got an encounter with God. But if your wineskin of your mind, of your heart, of your soul and spirit is not pliable to stretch, to accommodate the touch of God, the revelation of God, it will go in, but it can leak straight back out. Your wineskin, because it refuses to budge of what you know to be as a Christian, what you know yourself as to be, if, if, if you just say, no, this is me, and that's, well, that wineskin is like, it's not going to budge, it's not going to stretch, it's not going to be flexible, malleable, someone's going to pour some revelation in it, and even Jesus himself could pour that into you, and you're just going, and you... You can't hold it. And that's why people sometimes can't travel with the church sometimes if they don't allow 
for a new wineskin in their life. Does that make sense? Refreshing, renewing, wineskin, taking in the new revelation. You know when someone's changing, of course, it will be manifested in their life. The spirit flows from the heart. So the condition of your heart manifests to the outside. You can see when someone's changing. They, they act different. They behave different. They express differently. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Christianity, I said, is not about conforming. It's about changing daily. It's about transforming. Amen? Who wants to be changed? God demands change. It's glory to glory. There's a scripture that says we go glory to glory. It's a magnificent life and a magnificent day and experience when you feel like you are changing. I couldn't read the Bible for a lot, you might have said. But now I would see many of you are on version, and you've partnered with me. That's the 200 million people uh, and even more are using version app. It's a Bible program with, with devotions on it hundreds of devotions, uh, and you take your pick, it's a five-minute devotion, surely, my goodness, you can do five minutes devotion in the morning, it's, for me, devotion is like breakfast, you take the breakfast in, the body goes, yippee, we can use those ingredients, we'll use that, give him better eyesight, and and give him health, give him some strength, he's going to the gym, we'll take that, that's rubbish, we'll take all that, that's what the Word of God is, and until you take the Word of God in, God can't use that word in you to transform you. Amen? Amen. I'm loving it. Some reaction. We're not asking you to be a black church, but at least a grunt, a groan, something. Preach it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Say change. Let's say it together louder. Say change. How many of us need to change? Husbands are looking at wives. Wives are looking at husbands right now. Jesus changed. Sorry. Jesus changed. He was perfect, but he changed. He went from the anointing to the glory in the transfiguration experience. Matthew 7, 17, 12 talks about Christ appearing in a most radiant, glorious form to three of his disciples. Transfiguration means complete change or form or appearance into a more beautiful state. Into a more beautiful state. He had to change. Who are we not to change? And I say this again, if you're not changing, you're going backwards. And this is what it's all about. It's about experiencing God and transforming. So touch your neighbor and tell them, you got to change. Touch your neighbor either side and tell them. Go and tell them they've got to change. Why the encounter with God? Yes, you need the Word, but you need the presence of God. You need the Holy Spirit. We need the presence and the power. Who can say amen? Not just the letter of the Word. The Bible says clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 and 5 to 6, says clearly, you're an epistle of Christ, meaning you're a living letter. You're a living expression of being a Christian. You're a living expression. You're a living epistle. People should be able to read you. And not in a bad way, but in a good way. Joshua, oh man, I'm reading you and I'm seeing some 
Oh, some awesome promises and prophetic words and who you are in Christ and your identity in Christ. You are magnificent, Reed, son. You are awesome. He is, isn't he? Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit, say the Spirit, of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is your heart. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, we think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers. That's you, that's just not me. You are a minister, by the way, the priesthood of all believers. Of the new covenant, not of just the letter, but of the spirit. See, the word, the word, the word, you know, some say there's an old Pentecostal saying, just the word, you'll dry up, just the spirit, you'll blow up, but the word and the spirit, and you will grow up, amen, and you'll turn up, oh, there's more to it, and give up, you'll turn up and then give up, I like that. We need to be open to change. Can't be a rebel. We need to agree with God. We need to locate areas in our life that need to change. Father, help us right now. Why? Because we need to be useful in the Master's hands. Why do I need an encounter with God? Why do I need that encounter? What's the purpose? So that your faith is found in the power of God, not human wisdom. Now, we're going to get some good stuff out of this. If you've got a Bible, open it up. You can highlight it, underline it. I'm about to really just explode some thought about this scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.1 says, and the opening statement was, why do I need an encounter with God? Why do I need an encounter with God? As God, as my provider, people came out, got prayed for, and they may be struggling, and they may have no faith, for God to break through in their life so they do not express any faith to go to, to believe that God is their provider and they languish in the doldrums of not experiencing God and his provision. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to help, help you with this. So here it is. Here's the key. This is why you need an encounter with God. 1 Corinthians 2.1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2.3 says, I came to you in weakness with great fear in trembling. This is the man that wrote 14 books of the New Testament. But he's telling us he's under the pump with struggles. He's under the pump. But he's manning up. He's put his big boy undies on. And by faith, he's determining himself forward to do what God's called him to do. Is that right? We all have struggles. Paul just said that. Man, I'm dead. De but you know what? I'm not going to trust in my own sufficiency. I'm going to trust in the sufficiency of my God. I'm doing that right now. After an extended fast, I'm still a little bit weak, but you know what? And as I did through the fast, I'm believing through the sufficiency of God and what He can do. Even though my personal inadequacies and, and, and my human limitations, my fear and my trembling and all those natural things, still I know my God. He's my sufficiency. All right. 1 Corinthians 2.4 says it like this. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, 
but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So, now here it is. So, here it is. So that your faith, so that your faith might not rest, meaning rely or depend on, on human wisdom, but on God's power. When, I tell you this, when, when you've not encountered God in areas of your life, you've not encountered God in healing, if you've not encountered the God who promises us healing constantly, and of course it's true, Jesus was our healer and healed people and still heals people, but if you've never experienced that, your faith is not in the God that heals, Amen. If you have never experienced healing, I believe that you will not have a stronghold, a constitutional strength to believe that God's your healing. And it's the same with provision. If you have never experienced, if you've never been a young family and you've never had, you know, just one wage coming in and, and, and you've never seen God somehow pay your mortgage pay your bills and then somehow knock knock at the door and, and you go to the door no one's there but you look down there's a box of fruit if you've never experienced or you go to church and someone gives you a thousand dollars and it's at the right time or somehow a supernatural provision has said to you and now it's a testimony to you that God is your provider you will not have faith in that area because you've not encountered God in that area. Is that right? But can I just tell you sincerely, I've experienced God as my healer, God as my provider. And man, when I was eight or nine, walking to school in the 60s wasn't an easy matter, especially with these bodgy type kids that lived up on the corner of Fern Grove Road at Canley Heights. That house was like a haunted house, and in that house was three brothers that loved to terrorize every school kid that walked by there. I'm telling you what, I learned to pray at a young age, trust me. You know what I mean? I know from that time of eight, nine years old, I know my God is my provider, protector. Still, I got bitten by three dogs handing out leaflets for my dad who was running for council. I don't know what happened there, but... God, right away as quick as I could. It doesn't work all the time, but I know still I am resilient that God is my protector, that God is my provider. And if you have not really experienced salvation, it will be just a philosophy, it will be just head knowledge. Why is it students, sorry young people, they go to university they love, firstly, they love God. They're in the house. They're walking. They're living for God. They go to university for four years. They come back, and now they serve another God, little G God. Because this reason. Why did they deny God? Because they never experienced the God that protected them, the God of salvation. They never really experienced God in their provision. They never, experienced, they never had a full-blown encounter with God whereby they were left with a residual value that cannot be shifted even on a bad hair day. They are still resilient 
through all the winds of life and the calamities of life, they are still resilient, not by the academic knowledge of God, mental ascension to God, but they are resilient because they've had an encounter with the living God. So listen, you need to let your children have an encounter with God to be transformed. You need to let them lay hands on the sick and speak in tongues and, 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 and acquaint themselves with the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to have experiential faith. Just don't let it be head knowledge. Otherwise, these tender young hearts, they're so impressionable, they will go to university and they will be beguiled and, and, and they will be confused by the philosophies of man and, 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 and we will lose them. Amen? Got to let our kids have an encounter with God. Why? Because the kids need to know and the youth need to know that God is real, that God is alive. We have kids now, they were in our church a long time ago, and their parents were, were, were like most of you, solid, Shane, in God, loving God, still are. Now their 21, 22-year-old young person is saying, what were we thinking? There is no God. Who wants to go out for a drink tonight? Because they didn't have a sincere encounter with God. Allow yourself that encounter with the living God, that supernatural encounter with God. And especially why? Because God needs to be more real than criticism. He needs to be more real than fear. He needs to be more real than sin. When you encounter those things, when you encounter those things in life that we all encounter, you need to know that your God is real. Look at Moses. Moses had a supernatural encounter of God. Why? Because he had to release three million Israelites from Egypt. And, and then he had to live with, with three million uh, uh, people that were complaining and whinging all the time. Did Moses need to have an encounter with God? Yes, sirree. Does the pastor need an encounter with God? Absolutely. Do you need an encounter? Yes. Love that reaction. Boom. Top of the class. Come here, sit near Pastor Julie. You're awesome. And bring your wife too. So. Yes. Because of the assignment on his life, he needed an encounter with God. He needed to know that God was more real than the air he breathes in that crisis of living that life. You've got to be able to say, God, you're, more, you're so real. Your blood is so real. The cross of Calvary is so real. The Bible is so real. You are so real. The holy, the presence of God is so real. Come on. If you're second guessing, oh, I don't know if he's here. I don't know if the Bible's true. I don't. No, you've got to believe through and through, body, soul, and mind, that he is. Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 3. But now... This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine when you pass through the waters. I love this. And I walked through some creeks, swollen creeks, to get to school. My mum wasn't really happy about the way my shoes look when I got home. But I just saw that river, that raging creek that I'd been walking over, that bridge over. I said, man, that, man, the bridge is down. And I'm gonna get, I've got to get home, man. Take my shoes. No, I didn't take my shoes off. Kept my shoes off. Walked through the water. Walked through the mud. And I took a shortcut. Got lost in the bush. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I got, where have you been? What have you done? Because I knew God could lead me. God could 
get me home. He could take me through the waters. I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. The swollen creek of, what was that, what's that creek called, Jules? Ah, oh, great, great, wonderful times down. It taught me so much about God. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 2 Corinthians. How, how do we become these type of people? We said this last week, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. We do so no longer. I, I don't even look at myself any longer as a natural person, a normal person. Therefore, it says, as its major statement, it says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new has come. You are a new creature. You don't have to walk through the water. You can walk on the water. Imagine your children coming home from school. That creek was swollen. How'd you get across it? Mom, I walked on the water like they taught me in Sunday school. Wow. You sure? Absolutely. Because I'm a new creation. That old, that old boy, the unregenerate boy, the boy that didn't have Christ, the boy that didn't believe in God, he couldn't walk on water. But I got saved. I gave my life to the Lord. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm walking on water. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be the head, not the tail. He wants you to tread down those things that are holding you, that are surrounding you and causing you grief. And then we can do Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared. He prepared those things for us to do on this earth in advance. Theologically, theologically it says, before even the earth was formed, God planned for you to be here right now to do good works. You got set down in a conflicted environment, a war-torn environment. Things have opposed you. Things have tried to shut you down and try and tell you that your identity is not in Christ. You're just the same. You say you go to church. You say you're a Christian. But trust me, you are the same. But you are not. You are a new creation. You're able to breathe in the oxygen of heaven. You're able to take in more of the Holy Spirit. It says it like this. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 John 3, 1, and 1 to 3 says that we are a children of God. We're children of God. Something happened. We were in a cocoon of the world, living unto ourselves, disconnected from God. But we took on, we heard through the cocoon, we heard the voice of the Lord, and we pushed our way to a decision and said yes to Jesus. And when we did, it says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and you believe he was raised from the grave and and that, that you can be saved, that he can live in you. And the struggle began to come out of that cocoon, amen? You're pushing out. 
you push, I don't know how, that cocoon was always so, they'd bring him to school, the kids would bring him to school, and the cocoon seemed so stiff, so stiff, like the wineskin, so stiff. Help me with this, the, but, the, 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 the caterpillar, no, the, the, help me, help me. The caterpillar, the chrysalis. Oh, he's giving me the technical term. Chrysalis. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah it, 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 what's doing all the pushing? And when does it turn into a butterfly? Doesn't push. It just comes out, gets saved. And then it becomes the butterfly of colors, able to fly, able to be that beautiful expression of God. Amen. I hope I didn't tread on any scientific toes there, but I'm just trying to struggle with how that happened. Understanding your identity in Christ is absolutely essential to your success at, li at living as a Christian. Amen? No person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. If you think you're a no-good bum, you're probably going to live like a no-good bum. But if you see yourself as a child of God who is spiritually alive in Christ, you'll begin to live in victory. A knowledge of who you are is by far the most important truth you can possess. But we have a, an enemy out there, Satan even, that is constantly trying to tell us otherwise. But praise God for his divine power in 2 Peter 1, 3 and 8, verse 11. I haven't got time to read it, but it says his divine power has given everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Who am I? Right. My transformed self. Who am I? What is my identity? Here's some statements. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world, not if, if he's put if up there. Did he change it? I'm the light. Well done. I've got a great multimedia team. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm part of the true vine, a channel of Christ's life. I'm Christ's friend. I am chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. I'm a joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. I am a temple. A dwelling place of God, His Spirit, and His life dwells in me. 57 times, 57 times the word power is mentioned in the New Testament. 57 times. And it's what, it's what delineates um, from A.D. to B.C. So that resurrection event of Jesus dying on the cross and being, a resu being resurrected to life eternal that was power and that can i just say this to you i'm nearly done that same power is available to you who wants resurrection power who wants to change all right all right so there may be some people who are not really want to change spiritually but you know what you can change physically who wants to lose weight who wants more fitness who wants better eyesight who wants to hear who, who, who wants to believe what God says about their health? Not so much what the doctors say. 
you need to have faith. You need to have an experience in God in that area and be able to claw your way back out and believe that God has the ability, the power, the anointing to transcend normal life and allow you to be healed in an instant. Amen? Yes, thank you, Julie. To be healed. And if you don't have experiential faith in God in areas like this, and you'll find that's why people don't give, because they've never tested God, as you said. They've never put God to the test and allowed God to break through into their financial world. They've said, these finances are mine. This area is mine. I need to look after it. I need to be mindful of it. I need to take control of it. Bible says it's all his give it to him and let him do a supernatural act it says in Haggai that he will he will allow those finances to last way longer than natural terms it's about trusting God and believing God let's all stand God bless you father we 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 need an encounter with you we need an encounter with the living God in all the areas of our life we need to believe that you are our healer that you are our deliverer. Lord, I need an encounter with you right now. Just cry out right now. And you lift the music and just begin to cry out from your heart. Faith is by voice activation. Just say, God, I, I need to encounter you. I need to encounter you, God. Psalm 71, verse 17, 18. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Parents in the house, can you declare the power of God to your friends, uh, to your children, to your grandchildren? Can you declare the power of God? That's what this scripture is saying. So that I may declare, not forsake you, God, not, not have, a, have a negative disposition that you, that you are my provider, my protector, my, my, my salvation. No! God, I need an encounter with you to believe that you are truly my salvation. So let's just lift our hands like this. Father God, right now, I pray by the power of His Spirit, I give you permission by choice for you every time you beckon me to have an encounter with not the world's wisdom, but the power of God I pray that I would give you permission. I would give you permission by my own volition, by my own choice. Lord, in those areas of my life that the world said, that, 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 that the world said that I am sufficient in those areas. Paul said, I am not sufficient. I lean not on my own understanding. I trust you, God. I trust you in every area of my life. Now, the Bible says, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be renewed in the attitude of your mind. I've got to read that. That's, that's, my, that's the scripture that's going to nail it. Dear God, in Romans chapter 12, you said, and I'm being reminded, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, C3 Tugger under the inspiration of my voice in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God 
this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Actually, I've got another interpretation of that. The J.B. Phillips, help me, Lord, help me. J.B. Phillips says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the J.B. Phillips version says, paraphrased, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remake you, redesign you, transform you, so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. Thus, you will prove in practice that the will of God is good, acceptable to Him and perfect. Pastor Julie, that's exactly what you were saying. And as you've been transformed, guess what? You'll be producing fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness. All that good fruitful stuff, gentleness, self-control, all that is going to be manifested in your life. Just close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus, the God of the universe who loves you, He formed you, you know, an accident. There's nothing that you've done. There's nothing that you've done that He can't restore, repair, renew. All you have to do is ask Him. He's waiting. Simple prayer. Simple prayer that I will speak in a moment will allow a relationship with God to take you forward into the best days of your life. It's a simple prayer of saying, sorry, Father God, for all the things I've done. Forgive me. I choose to turn away from what was wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Father, I stand before you in your presence. I come unto you. Please come now. And say this prayer after me. If this is you, you've never said a prayer of salvation, if you've never declared from your heart that Jesus is the Lord of your life, if you've never accepted the, the power of the Holy Spirit to change, to be transformed, you're disgruntled, you're disappointed that you haven't grown, that you hadn't succeeded in life, that you haven't been able to get through problems, that you've been stopped and stuck, and, 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 and now you're saying, God, I'm stuck in life. I want to go forward into my best life. If that's you, please, eyes closed. Everyone in the house, say this prayer. This is for someone. If this is a recommitment to the Lord, maybe you used to go to church. Maybe you said yes to Jesus, but it's gotten jaded. It's gotten old. It's gotten tatty. You didn't have a full-blown experience in God, and now you've found yourself with no faith to live the Christian life. If you want faith to live your life in a most dynamic way, Please pray this prayer. This is everyone. Everyone in the house can say this just to help those ones who are saying it for the first time and are saying it as a commitment from their heart. Again, a recommitment from their heart. Father God, let's say this together. Father God, I believe in your son Jesus. I believe he walked the earth, performed miracles, died on the cross for my sin and rose on the third day and lives at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for me. That means He's praying for you. Now here it is. Here's the business end of the prayer. 
Say it from your very heart, the very depth of your heart. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So say this prayer. Father God, no, say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart. I turn my back on compromise and I look to you as my Lord, as my Savior. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Let me encounter you, God, in every day. Let me be transformed to give you glory. Jesus, today, I am a child of God. I'm bound for heaven. But in the meantime, Lord, let me live in the fullness of your will, of your destiny to do good works, great exploits in the time of my living. Amen. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.